Game 730 AM studio is powered by Driven Collision. We make friends by accident. The views and positions expressed in this program are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the views and positions of the game 730 AM. Some may find the content of this program controversial or offensive. Put on your big boy pants and buckle up. This isn't a safe space for weak takes or whining. You can say that this sports radio show is offensive-minded. Call the show at 517-300-4263. Text or call us through the game, 730 AMF. Message the game, 730 AM on Facebook. your host and professional Hellraiser, Beanie Howell. What appealed to you the most about this job? Well, there was a lot to like. I just felt the fit was was great in regards to what I value, in regards to this community, this fan base, uh, a program of substance. Listening to Alan and his vision for the place uh, was right in line on how I like to do things. And so there's a lot there, this passionate fan base. I think you can win at a high level. There's some serious work to do here, and I'm excited about diving into it. Wow, what a Monday. Everything going on everywhere this Monday. Welcome back. Hope you had a good holiday. I'm Beanie. This is Offensive Minded. Michigan State football's got a coach. Here comes your man is right. Look, I don't think it's any surprise. You know how this show works. That's going to be what today is mostly, if not all, about. Jonathan Smith, the 26th head football coach in the long history of Michigan State. We'll dig right in. You know, you can tell me, you can grade the higher, you can cut it up, slice it up, tell me how hype you are, how disappointed you are, whatever. I want to hear from it. We want to take your temperature on that. It's not very often when you're in a Big Ten market like this that the job comes available. Like we said, they've been playing football at Michigan State for over 150 years now, something like that, right? They've only had 26 guys in charge. 
and this is the 26th one. So it's a big deal. You can weigh in. You can tell me how you feel about it. You think they got their man. Did you get your man? Are you good with it? By the way, there are multiple ways to answer that question. I told you from the outset, if I were in charge and it was singularly Beanie's call, I would have hired Urban Meyer. I would have moved heaven and earth. I would have done what it took to got him. I wouldn't have let him been able to say no. I would have made an offer thanks to the backing and banking of the likes of Matt Ishbia so that Urban Meyer would have had to go on to Shelly Meyer and said, honey, listen, I know you don't want me to coach again, and I'm not so sure I want to. And I'm not so sure even if I did, I would want to do it there. But this is an irresponsible amount of money to turn down that could set up our family for generations after we're six feet under. That's what I would have done. They didn't do that, or maybe they did, and he told them no still. I don't know. doesn't matter. The point is, that's not what, uh, you know, I didn't get what, who I wanted. My number two choice was Jamie Chadwell. I don't think they even really sniffed that guy. This would have been my number three choice. But what I'm getting at is multiple things can be true here. Yeah, they didn't get the top guy I wanted. They, get, they didn't get number two on my list. They got number three, and I still feel like it's a pretty solid hire. All things considered. And that's the thing. You got to, when you try to evaluate this thing, you have to do it within the context of right here, right now. This was a historically weak coaching cycle or coaching carousel, whatever you want to call it. Look, the top two names over the weekend are Jonathan Smith and Mike Elko. Those are names nobody knew in each fan base in each community that wound up getting those two guys, Michigan State and Texas A&M respectively, those are two names that people largely didn't know except for the last four to eight weeks. More so here than in College Station, Texas. But the point is, it was a historically weak hiring cycle, and I still feel like Michigan State got a pretty solid coach. That's how I feel about it. We can get into why, and I'm, I've got plenty of thoughts on it for you. I'll cut it up every different which way. I can tell you what kind of schemes this dude runs on both sides of the ball. I'll tell you who's coming with him, who might still come with him, and I'm not just talking about coaches. I'll get into all that with you today. But before we go any further, I want to tell you one thing that I think no one else is addressing yet, and I don't know why, but don't worry. I'm here to pick up the pieces as usual. The biggest narrative I keep hearing over and over about this is what a tough job the next guy has in front of him. And make no doubt, if you, were, uh, if you weren't a believer in that, how could you not be after Friday night? Many of us were there. I was surprised at how many were there. Wow. Uh, that really blew my, my mind. I was not expecting that. So kudos to you to show up and support a team and program in school the way you did, in special, especially with such terrible results and such awful circumstances. That was a great showing, I thought, for Michigan State. I was very impressed. Still hate the move. Not going to relitigate that. You know how I felt about moving that game there. But anyway, the point is, yeah, it, it, it couldn't have been more stark of a difference between a legitimate Power 5 team with a Power 5 roster and whatever you want to call Michigan State. Yeah, the huge difference, obviously. But also, no one is talking about this part of it. This team this year, 
as god-awful as it was, and the int- this completely uh, historically awful hand it was dealt, still managed to win four games. And really, it probably should have been six, except for a historic collapse at Rutgers. And then, um, you know, earlier in the season, a meltdown at Iowa. We wound up winning 10 games, but it's the fakest 10-win team I've ever seen. Anyway, the point is, this team was in the hunt for six wins this year. It may not have been pretty. It may not have looked like a winning football team or 500 football team at any point, I understand. But it was pretty damn close. And it did it at a time when there was complete uncertainty and, and chaos behind closed doors and within the actual team facilities and at a time where injuries were I don't know if I've ever seen a more injury plagued season at Michigan State to a roster that already couldn't afford much attrition and then all the players who didn't play who as we now see are entering the portal Darius Snow Kaiten Hauser entering the portal today by the way that's that's another one. we'll get to that there's going to be a lot of attrition there but anyway my point is We can all agree this is one of the worst Michigan State football teams we've ever seen in terms of talent, in terms of coaching. And they almost tripped and dead cat bounced into six wins. And then I have people telling me about how tough the Big Ten's going to get starting next year. Yeah, um, about that, I'm looking at next year's schedule, and it's easier for Michigan State than 2023 Royce and just do a little exercise here here's state schedule they open up next year at home with Florida Atlantic they're at Maryland home versus Louisiana at Boston College Big Ten play starts they host Ohio State obvious L they're at Oregon obvious L bye week they come back to host Iowa you mean to tell me you don't think this team can beat Iowa They had them beat going into the fourth quarter last year with a bunch of clowns at the operations. After that, next week after that, they're at Michigan. You mean to tell me they can't beat Michigan next year? Now, I understand Michigan was worlds away from MSU this year. That's true. It wasn't even close. But I would also remind you that Michigan's going to look a little bit different next year. In terms of, oh, I don't know, maybe setting an NFL record for the most number of draft picks coming out of one school in one singular draft. And then, you know, the sword of Damocles is probably going to fall this offseason. Michigan could be severely different for at least a couple of years after this. I'm talking about scholarship reductions, all of that. Who knows who the coach will be? That doesn't mean Michigan's going to be a clown car next year. No. But they also won't be one of the best teams in the country. And this is a rivalry game. John L. Smith. No relation to Jonathan C. Smith. John L. Smith came in in year one. Took over a 4-8 and eight team. And almost beat Michigan. Game after that, they host Indiana. Mm-hmm. Another bye week. And they're at Illinois. And then they come home for Purdue. And then they wrap it up. At home with Rutgers. Obviously, there's a lot of work to be done to rebuild this program into a contender. No doubt. No doubt. 
before anything else, they just don't have the talent. That's 100% true. And who knows how much of the scarce talent they do have Jonathan Smith will be able to retain. I don't know. I hope he's able to keep all of those guys. And I'm talking about Jordan Hall, Chance Rucker, Nathan Carter, who sounds like he's coming back regardless of whoever the coach was. He sounded pretty committed, but, you know, things can change. These are pretty young people. More than that, too, Zion Young. There, there are some good young players on this team. For all of Tucker's foibles, he did do a good job of getting some good young players who are in their first or second year. What happens if Jonathan Smith retains all of those? What happens if he brings in a few? What I'm saying is I look at the schedule next year and I just assume that they're able to do a decent job at mitigating the attrition of good players and a decent job of bringing in a couple from elsewhere. Guys to follow him from Oregon State, which had a load of good players. No one's talking about this, but I'll just say it plainly. Jonathan Smith better come in and win seven or eight games next year. He better. There's no excuse. Look at this schedule. The Big Ten's so much tougher, huh? This schedule next year is not even as hard as what Michigan State went through this year. Yeah, they have to go to Oregon, but they avoid Penn State. They don't have to deal with the USC and UCLA's and Washington next year. There's no excuse. As bad as it is and as rock bottom as we are, there is no excuse not to come in next year and win seven or eight games. John L. Smith came in and took a, f- a complete disaster 4-8 and eight team. By the way, lost to Michigan 49-3. to three. He came in and won eight games the next year, Big Ten Coach of the Year. Almost beat Michigan, by the way. Yeah. That's my expectation. Right out of the gate. Seven or eight wins next year. Does that mean I'm going to be on the fire the first-year head coach if they win six games? No. I'm just telling you, as bad as it is, you can still have expectations because this is still a Power 5 program with Power 5 resources. This is still one of the top 20 jobs in America. This is still one of the top 20 resourced college football programs in the entire game. And they actually have a handful of good players at important positions. They have no depth, which is a serious problem in the Big Ten especially, and it will be the longer the season goes on. But all this hand-wringing about what a reclamation project this dude has on his hands, it's totally true when you think about it from the contention perspective. But guys, he has to come in next year and win seven or eight games. There is not an excuse not to. And I don't care that when he took over Oregon State after three years of Gary Anderson driving that thing right into the ditch, two of his three years going 0-9 in Pac-12 play, I don't care that it took him until, what, year four to finally get a winning record. I don't care. This is not that situation. Yeah, things are bad. But he's inheriting, believe it or not, a much better situation 
when he took the John, when Jonathan Smith took the Oregon State job, he was essentially getting a Ford Pinto ready to explode. And he was able to rehab it into a drivable car. What's he getting here? <laughs> I mean, he's certainly not getting a Lamborghini. He's not even getting a Camaro, a Mustang or anything. No, not even close. But he's coming into a situation. Yeah, uh, this car has a lot of miles on its tires. A lot's gone wrong. It, leads, it needs a lot of love and attention. It, leads a, it needs a lot of new parts under the hood. But it should be able to handle next year. You should be able to put 15,000 miles on it next year. Now, can you drive it all over the country and have road trip galore? Nope. Absolutely not. And it ain't going to be sexy. He ain't going to pick up too many hot chicks in this car. But he can get from point A to point B, and it could be reliable. Jonathan Smith, year one, seven or eight wins. Period. I don't care who he gets and who he loses in the portal. There's no excuse. It's totally true that the Big Ten's getting tougher. But people have lost in that the specifics of Michigan State's schedule next year. And look at that thing. Look at that. And then you tell me how a team this past year that was this bad with this kind of incompetence at the, at the controls almost tripped over themselves past the finish line of six-win threshold. And you tell me how that can happen and how next year this guy can't do the same thing. That's the expectation, year one, out of the gate. How about you? How do you grade the hire? Do you like it? Hate it? Love it? Whatever. You can quantify that however you want. That's up to you. And you can tell me, what are your expectations for year one and beyond? I'll get into all that. I just wanted to start in the here and now. Because before we start talking about what we think he should get this program back to, or maybe to a newer level, if that's what you expect, we haven't seen before, that's all well and good. But let's talk about year one. Because Michigan State didn't hire him to come in and just take his sweet old time, like what happened at Oregon State. No, expectation a little bit different here. What do you make of that? Here are all the ways to weigh in on that. 517-342-63. You can email the show, beanie at wvfnam.com. You can use the free game 730 AM app. Click chat in the main menu to send over a free text message to us. Or use Facebook. Send us a message or comment there. Just search Facebook for the game, 7.30 a.m. to do that. You can also use all that to do our Monday tradition, which is studs and duds. That's, of course, available all show. Everyone who nominates one good and one bad performance from the weekend that was in the sports universe will get themselves an entry into a random drawing we conduct at the end of the program here. One of you walks away with a $25 gift certificate to the Nut House of downtown Lansing. Okay, that's out there for you all show, too. We'll get into more of the Jonathan Smith stuff. On the other side, I'll dig in. I'll, I'll give you, you know, the rundown on what this guy is all about. I'll, I'll talk about his offensive scheme. I'll tell you what, he do, what they do on defense. Tell you about his recruiting chops or lack thereof. We can talk about who he might bring with him in terms of coaches and players. We can get into all that. There's plenty to go over there. We can talk about, frankly, the good and the bad of the hire. There's a lot to be excited about, and there's a lot to be genuinely nervous and concerned about. 
not saying outright hating on it or poo-pooing, as some would say. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. If you know, you know. But uh, look, um, there's a lot to go over. And before I get out, I would like to do a, a little special reach out here to the urban or bust crowd. I feel like the Democrats in 2016 to the Bernie or bust people trying to get people on board to vote for Hillary Clinton. (laughs) I was not an urban or bust person, but hear me out. If you are and you cannot abide by this hire, first of all, go ahead. It's up to you, your life. I ain't going to think less of you. All those people telling you, you're not a real Spartan. That's not true. That's up to you. Don't listen to the noise. But if you're open to interpretation, if you maybe have been wavering, lay your hands on the radio and listen to me now. The guy deserves a chance. This Jonathan Smith does. He deserves a chance for your support. Doesn't mean you have to do it. Doesn't mean you have to listen to me. But this is a better hire than Mel Tucker, and he got a hell of a chance. This guy has a better track record than he did. This guy has essentially the same track record as a head coach that the best coach in the modern era at this program had when he took the gig. Jonathan Smith is one game under 500. So was Mark D'Antonio. Now, Jonathan Smith does not have a national championship ring as a defensive coordinator. He does not have that. But he deserves a chance to succeed here. Just saying to the urban or bust people, give it a chance. And by the way, If you're part of the other part of the fan base, the overwhelming percentage that's not urban or bust, and you're someone who's critical of the urban or bust people, and you can't stand the idea of them just quitting the program because they didn't get their guy, let me tell you something. Let me assuage your worries. The first time Jonathan Smith wins a big game, all those people are back just like they never left. Don't worry about it. The first time. None of that means anything. Everyone's everyone's saying, like, I'm out. I'm done. I won't do this again. I can't stand by and watch this happen. I can't support this. Okay, fine. I guarantee you they will all be back with bells on as soon as this guy wins a big game and or starts winning. As soon as there's even a little bit of hype and buzz, they're all back. They're all back for their next hit of dopamine because that's how this works. This is a drug. It's offensive-minded. I'm Beanie. This is the game, 7.30 a.m. Nimberg. Sure, you could listen to Static. (laughs) Or you could get the free game, 7.30 a.m. mobile app in your app store today and listen longer. Without the interruptions from the Static. Listen live to all your favorite moments in sports and hear all the action. The game, 7.30 a.m. app also has tons of great restaurant deals for you. It's waiting for you right now in the app store today. The game, 7.30 a.m. app is powered by Driven Collision. We make friends by accident talking about it like he stole it yeah he probably did too beanie howell with offensive minded on the game 7 30 a.m jonathan smith 26 head coach in michigan state history how do you grade it how do you feel about it And what are your expectations? Let's start in the near term. What do you need to see next year? How about wins and losses next year? You can tell me overall what your expectations are for this program under Jonathan Smith. 
and we can get into that. I'll tell you what I think eventually, but I'm just telling you, everyone's treating this like this guy is going to come in and just have three years to get this thing barely off the ground. Uh, no, no, that's not how it works. Not at a job like this. Not in the Big Ten. This ain't Indiana. This isn't Northwestern, even though they're in a much better spot than I thought they'd be in. Yeah, they aren't hiring this guy and giving him these kind of resources, and we're going to find out about that with specific dollar tags. This is going to be a well-resourced operation still. That ain't something where you get to have two or three freebie years. Hell no. Yeah, Big Ten might be tougher, but it ain't going to be for Michigan State next year. Look at that schedule. It's lighter than 2023. My take, pretty simple. Jonathan Smith has to come in year one, win seven or eight games. How about you? 517-300-4263. Jeff is on the line. What's up, man? Well, let me start with some uh, studs and duds. The studs are the football fans for Mason showing up in droves to watch their team and support them. No kidding. And you know, duds, let's let's talk yeah. about that before you get to your duds. I, look, sure. I've, I, I covered that for a long time when I was a reporter, and I've been to that a lot of times. In my, like, 20 or what, 15 or 20 years of paying attention to that, I don't think I've ever seen one school put more people in the stands than Mason did yesterday. Incredible. And I, I've had people that work there, and you've seen them post and say, this is the best turnout they've ever seen, so... Way to go, dog. Yeah, they had a yeah. whole side of Ford Field was just Mason. That's incredible. <laughs> I love my son and daughter-in-law and my grandkids were there, so I love it. Awesome. Um, the dud is uh, Sharon Moore calling it Michigan University. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what was with that? <laughs> I don't know, but it was pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, as far as the new football coach, I love it. I think it's an A. I never was on the Urban Meyer bandwagon because I didn't think he wanted to be here, and I didn't want to overpay for him. But I also expect eight wins next year, and I do not expect to anoint him the savior when he gets them. Just through coaching alone and teaching these guys the way they're supposed to play and teaching them how to guard their shadow alone, we should be able to get eight wins with that schedule. Then the next couple of years when we get tougher schedules and tougher teams, that's when we'll know um, that he's really earning that money. That's my opinion. Yeah, I'm good with that. Um, I would I would be okay with seven next year, too. Eight, yeah, I'd be great. Um, let me ask you, in the long term, you know, look, I, here's what I want. I want this guy. He's he's young, too. He's not, He'll be 45 in January, so he's a young dude. I hope he's here for a long time till he's old and, and his hair is either gone or gray. I really do. Um, but by the time it's all wrapped up, what do you think it should be? Like, what should be... What should be the program expectation out of Michigan's or Jonathan Smith's Michigan State team? I think we should always hit double-digit wins. We should be looking at ten and two, and and when they expand the playoffs to eight, at least every couple of years being in the uh, the mix for the playoffs. I expect him to be around ten years, and then he can go replace Saban when he retires. But he can build our our uh, program to prominence and go from there. All right, man. Sounds good. Anything else? That's it. Thank you. Thanks, Jeff. I appreciate it. I'm good with that, too. Um, I, I don't know how to specifically quantify it. I, I've told you, based on everything, like the resources, what Michigan has, excuse me, what Michigan State has to play with, for lack of a better term, you take it all into account, and this is before they made a hire. I thought you had to make a call on what your expectations are for this program. And for me, it was 
yeah, regularly, you got to win double-digit games or at least come close. You got to regularly, that doesn't mean every year, but at least every, every three years be in the mix at the end of the season for the Big Ten. And then also, if you do that, you'll be in the mix for the playoff, right? So I think you got to be in the playoff chase in November virtually every year. Now, understanding injuries happen or attrition happens. Okay, that's fine. I can't predict that right now, though. I'm just telling you in a vacuum for what we can control for. Yeah, I expect double-digit wins. I expect challenging for the Big Ten at least every three years. And I expect being in the playoff race into November virtually every year because it's going to be the top 12 teams. And I think that's what they have the potential to be, a top 12 program. Pretty simple. Oh, yeah. Also, look, I don't think you have to – I don't think he has to have like a 750 win percentage against Michigan. But, yeah, he should beat them at least half the time. That's what I would like. That would be the goal. Now, can we settle for 40% of the time? Okay. I can live with that. But I'd like to beat them half of the time. Yeah. And I don't think it's unreasonable to expect that. The rivalry basically since State joined the Big Ten is almost even. It's like 55-45 percentage split since State joined the Big Ten back in 1950, whatever that was. That's not an unreasonable expectation. And if what's going to happen to Michigan is what I think is going to happen to Michigan here, let's just say I, I expect them to win more than they lose against them at least in the next uh, five to ten years. And I don't think that's unreasonable either. Five one seven three hundred forty two sixty three. Joe and Lansing, what's up, man? Hey, what's going on? Uh, let's see. I'll give it like a C plus. Um, I, I'm a you know I've been a state fan for years, and I, I my expectations are really really high. So and uh, you know we've had, you know we're not, for me I mean we are a, a power five conference team, but in my eyes we're really not because we don't get to that stage where you really are a blue blood um, because of the fact, well, you know, how many coaches, 26 coaches and how many, how long they've been around? 100 150 or something like that. Yeah. 26 coaches. I don't think Michigan's had that many coaches. Um, the, you know, and then what bowls did he go to when he was there? I never paid any attention. What oh, bowl were they? Gosh. I can look it up for you. Uh, let's go back to that though, while you keep going. Okay, uh, you know, I mean, uh, what, what was the contract? What was the, we don't know. To, we don't know that, don't know but yet. remember, there has to be an, abor- uh, an emergency board meeting to approve the contract, at which point we'll find out at least some details. So stay tuned, because tomorrow, I should have mentioned this, the formal uh, introductory press conference is tomorrow at noon, which we will carry live here on the game, 7.30 a.m., so stay tuned for that. But we'll know more okay. details about the financials and all that tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, and as far as the car thing, I think we got like maybe a, I don't even know. Remember a Pacer? Yeah. Pacer? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so maybe we'll go with that. And, you know, I don't, I don't wish any bad luck on anybody, but, and you were right because, you know, this is, this is like a, you know, it's like you can't, you can't lure somebody in like Urban Meyer. Uh, you know, you just gotta, you just gotta feel your way through. And, you know, I mean, I, hopefully that's not another mistake. Hire they make. You know, I mean, it's just say if they 
you know, if they did their research, which they They, probably did this time. I mean, I'm assuming they probably did. Yep. Uh, You know, and we don't, I, I was, I was shell shocked when you said we don't have to play any uh, Pac-10 teams. Or, you know, oh, USC, UCLA. We do. We play Oregon on the road we next year. Okay. That's okay, the one, well, though. You avoid the other three, right? So. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's probably going to be a L. That's, you know, but. Um, yeah. And, you know, the, the the John Smith thing, it's, you know, it's it's just a name. It's not, you know, it doesn't or it doesn't really mean anything. It just, it's just, it's all it is is the name. So. Yeah, I, I agree. That's, you know, that's unfair. I, I, I feel the same way. It just it scares the bleep out of me <laughs> because I don't want to go back to that. Yeah, um, you know, and uh, you know, I, I, uh, how long, how, Harbaugh's been at Michigan for what nine years, eight years. This is his ninth or tenth. Or sorry, hold on, let me think. Fifteen, uh, ninth season. Ninth season. So he's went twelve and 0 two years in a row, and to get to the point where he is now, he had to, he had to climb a lot of stairs. He wasn't, they, they weren't really competitive. When he first came in, they were competitive, but, you know, as time, as they, as they gave him what he wanted, um, he lost incentives, I understand that, because of the way they were playing. Um, so, uh, you know, give him two years. Um, don't do like a Frank Reich on him and fire him. Right. Like one time. <laughs> that's a, that was, that's, that was what I was going to bring that up to. How, how do you fire a coach? I mean, they're, granted, they're one in ten, but mm-hmm. you, you didn't give them a chance. Well, it was doomed uh, from the start, Joe. And here's what I mean: yeah. Don't remember they wanted to hire Ben Johnson, the Lions' offensive coordinator, but he withdrew from consideration. What does that tell you? Okay. He knew something was rotten in the uh, the way that ship was run. So he made the right call. Also, keep in mind Frank Reich probably just like Ben Johnson would have, wanted to use their number one overall pick that they've traded and mortgaged so much with the Bears to get to draft C.J. Stroud. But the owner, David Tepper, overruled them and said, we're taking Bryce Young. And what do you know? It, at least the way it's worked out so far in year number one, the football coaches were right, and the billionaire who knows nothing about football was wrong. Yeah, which is usually the case. So in that yep. instance, so... Uh, so let's see, studs and duds. I'm I just I gotta go Georgia for a stud because they're just they're doing. And my duds would be probably gotta be the Pistons. Just there's no Pistons going right for there. history tonight, right? To set the longest losing streak if they is lose tonight. Their longest losing streak is 14 games. Yes, it would be a new record if they lose tonight. Oh God! See, that's what I can't understand. It's like you get rid of Dwayne Casey, you bring this guy in. And it's the same, you know, they should just be sitting side by side on the bench. <laughs> well, yeah, because the composition of the team hasn't changed. No, no. I mean, I, I mean, I, Gabe Cunningham's doing good this year. He's not, he's staying healthy. Uh, they got talent. It's just, I don't know. It's just, uh, the for some reason, they just can't get over the hill. So. Well, they're just, they don't have enough good players, frankly, man. That's it. But yeah. thanks for the call, Joe. You're in the drawing, too. Yeah, Pistons. Um, Pistons have lost... 13 in a row. If they lose tonight, it will match the franchise record for the worst ever losing streak when they lost 14 in a row in 93 to 94. Next up, uh, caller, who is this and where you're calling from? This is Ray from Hope. Hey, man, what you got for us today? Hey, well, first off, I was going to say my stud and dud was my stud was the Red Wings and how well they've been doing this year. They're like 20 and 11 now. Won four to one yesterday. I mm-hmm. thought 
they've been playing a lot better than what I thought they would anyways. But then my dud was Auburn and the way they played Alabama. And you tell me how on fourth and 31 you rush two guys, have a third guy standing there in case the quarterback starts running, Mm -hmm. which is worth nothing because if the quarterback starts running, you can't stop him before he gets to the end zone. That's pretty bad. And my thought has always been you just don't prevent – you don't give these big-time quarterbacks all day to throw the ball. You go after them, send at least four, if not five guys after them, make them throw it quick, and don't give them all that time. Look, I'm totally with you. I don't understand. Look, I'm not an anti-prevent defense guy in the right situation, but um, that's not what that was. Sending two dudes is not prevent. That's (laughs) asking to for trouble because you just can't give a quality quarterback all day to throw he's going to burn you one way or the other so i'm with you i don't understand you know what i don't understand about it ray is you see it a lot at various levels of football when uh, uh, the winning team abandons what has been working and put them in position to win well why change like it's like dance with the one that brought you to the dance you know what i mean Right, and not only that, I mean, these coaches are making millions of dollars to make that decision to only rush two guys. I just, Auburn is 6 and 6, and you know why they're 6 and 6 now with watching them do that. I mean, that just was terrible. They had Alabama beat and just gave it away. Yep, I'm with you. All right, man, um, how, how do you uh, grade uh, Jonathan Smith's hire, and how do you feel about all that? Well, I think that he's got a. At least have six, if not seven, wins the first year. And from there, you know, build it. I mean, I don't think that the it's totally empty. I think there's players that are good. They're just not being motivated. <clears throat> and I think you have to demand more of them and make sure they understand that, you know, they have to be to practice. They have to be to meetings. They have to be to everything that goes on. All right, dude. I appreciate the call. Yep. Thanks, Ray, here in the drawing. Also, want to say thanks to everyone who joined us for our special live coverage Saturday when Michigan State officially announced Jonathan Smith as the 26th head coach in Spartan football program history. Uh, if you didn't know, we went live from 4 to 5 p.m. Saturday covering the story. So thank you to everyone who tuned in. I appreciate that. We uh, did that across the Lansing Sports Network, specifically here on the game, 7.30 a.m. and Classic Rock 94.9 MMQ. Thanks for joining us for that. That was that was good. I, I had a good time doing that. Thanks also to Tim Stout, who joined us on short notice and took time away from the holiday weekend he was spending with his grandbabies and, and family to, to do that. I appreciate that. Thanks also to Chris Solari, the MSU beat writer for the Free Press, who spent a few minutes with us talking about it. And thanks to Brock Palmbush, who uh, made it possible got me on air and and hit all the bells and whistles and Wizard of Ozing and all that. I appreciate that as well. I will replay with you uh, the the Chris Solari interview from that, talking about the hire here at some point today so you can get his take. He had a a few really interesting tidbits of information and uh, insights on that. We will get to that and more today. Let me go to break. Actually, before I do that, let me read a few messages here. John Freeberg, the mayor of Holt. He messages in in the free game 7.30 a.m. app on the hire and says, I think as a good hire, he has competed against quality teams in the Pac-12. 
It also says studs and duds. Studs, Packers, duds, Ohio State. Well, listen, man, you brought it up. Look, I didn't want to come on here and rub it in on all you Lions fans, but hey, a lot of you, specifically the Michigan fans, have said, why am I not talking more about the Packers? (laughs) Well, you asked for it. How do you like Jordan Love whooping that ass on your Super Bowl? How'd that feel? How in the hell do you let that happen? How do you let? How do you let a Packers team that's that bad? And by the way, everyone who comes away with the takeaway, wow, Jordan Love, they've got it. They've got something special again. They've done it again. (laughs) Please, please keep in mind that the Lions defense made Justin Fields look like an all-pro the week before. Yeah, no, this wasn't about Jordan Love. This is about how bad you are. You want the truth, there it is. You want me to talk more about the Packers? You want me to talk more about the Lions? You sure about that? You sure about that? My God, are you still talking? I am, as a matter of fact. Yeah, Uh, we'll get more into Lions tomorrow. And Packers, because you guys want me to talk more about Packers, right? You Michigan fans especially said, I spent too much time talking about Harbaugh and the scandal. I need to talk more about the Packers. Ah, you sure about that? You really want that? I mean, I will. You sure about that? You sure about that? I'll just put it to you this way. We'll talk more NFL tomorrow when the DeWitt dream Steve Goff is in here. We do total BS on offensive-minded. I suspect a little bit of WWE is going to come up. Because the best in the world is back, baby. But we'll get to that tomorrow. We're going to talk Lions then, but uh, listen. Hey, you know I've been a big proponent of what the Lions do now and how they've rebuilt this thing, and I am a believer in the vision. And I think they're, you know, number three team in the NFC. Yep, I I still feel that way. But I got news for you. That defense is getting your ass bounced in the first game. You are not winning a playoff game with that defense. You let the Packers, the Pack, the youngest team in the NFL, and not it's not close. They are the youngest team by an average of several years. They're the youngest team in the NFL in six seasons. And by the way, not only are they the youngest team with inexperience across the board, they're the NFL's lowest ranking team in terms of salary combined between quarterback, wide receiver, and tight end, and it ain't close. They have a bunch of kids playing. The Packers' offense is a kindergarten. And on top of that, their defense is trash. The guy in charge of it was the dude who authored your 0-16 defense, Joe Barry, you know. And on top of that, half of their team was hurt. They don't have depth to begin with. You let the Packers' JV come in here and jock all over you on your one shining moment. You know what that tells me? To quote primetime, some people ain't cut out for the moment. Yeah, that would be you. That would be you. And it's going to be a real painful January for you. Because you have a lot of high hopes, and you should. I have high hopes for you. But your playoffs, your first 
home playoff game in 30 years, your first division championship in 30, and make no mistake, you're still winning this division and probably quite comfortably. But it, that celebration going to be real short-lived. You're going to draw a playoff team that's going to come in there and march up and down your ass. Because if the trash-ass Packers can come in there and have no problem with your defense and Jordan Love can look like prime Aaron Rodgers on every third down and do whatever the hell he wants. And if Jordan Love and his mass unit offensive line can have all day to throw, not have any pressure all game, the cleanest jersey in the history of clean jerseys, and on top of that, dudes are still wide open everywhere across the field, guess what a real quarterback and an actual playoff team is going to do? What I'm saying is, Lions fans, don't buy playoff tickets past the opening round. We're back after these words. The Detroit Red Wings are back for another season on the Lansing Sports Network. He shoots, he scores on a backhand. Lansing's Big Talker, 1240 WJIM. Never miss a game again, whether you're on the go or just like doing it the old-fashioned way and sitting around the radio. He scores from the right side goal line. Every face-off and every playoff can be heard on Lansing's exclusive home for Detroit Red Wings hockey. 1240 WJIM, Lansing's only home for hockey. A Town Square media station. Lansing Sports Leader. The game, 730 AM. From the Breslin Center to Little Caesars Arena, we've got the sports opinions that matter to you. From the Driven Collision Studios, we make friends by accident. On the game, 730 AM. What appealed to you the most about this job? Well, there was a lot to like. I just felt the fit was was great in regards to what I value, in regards to this community, this fan base, uh, a program of substance. Listening to Alan and his vision for the place uh, was right in line on how I like to do things. And so there's a lot there, this passionate fan base. I think you can win at a high level. There's some serious work to do here, and I'm excited about diving into it. Five ten on a Monday here in the capital city. You got your man, Jonathan Smith, the 26th head coach in the long history of Michigan State football. Asking you today, how do you grade the hire? And you can quantify that however the hell you want. And then also, what are your expectations? You can give me in, in the broad strokes, but I'd also like to know next year because if you're just now joining us, first of all, happy to have you aboard. Thanks for listening. But um, my take is, I keep hearing about the next coach has so much, so much to do, has such a hard job, has all his work cut out for him, and I believe that's true. But the Big Ten's getting so much tougher. Okay, I, I buy that. But also, I've seen Michigan State's 2024 schedule, and it's easier than 2023. And 2023 has been the perfect bleep storm for MSU football. They were bad to begin with. The guy who was in charge of the program was a very bad caretaker and not a good coach at all. They lost probably 
the two best players on the whole team before the season started to the portal. And then, well, it comes out that the head coach had a problem in terms of judgment at a red roof inn. That completely torpedoes the, se- the season in week two. And on top of that, it's injuries galore. I don't ever have seen a, I don't know if I've ever seen a Michigan State team go through more injuries. And then the attrition through the portal, guys saving themselves, protecting their investment, not getting injured, not playing so that they can get somewhere else. All of that considered, oh yeah, plus the absolute clown car that has been the coaching staff ever since. And somehow, barring a historic collapse at Rutgers and giving the game to Iowa, this team should have made a bowl game. Should have won six games. Even so, at 1-4, it almost tripped over its own you-know-what and fell across the finish line. Finish line being the six-win threshold for a postseason. If that team, with that collection of frauds at the controls and all of the injuries and attrition, if all of that couldn't just barely keep this team from making a bowl game, How should I expect Jonathan Smith in year one, by all accounts, and a competent, uh, a competent, an accomplished head coach? How should I not expect him to do better? Look at the schedule, too. Uh, it's pretty light, guys. Yeah, I know the Big Ten's getting better, but also State doesn't play Penn State next year. Instead, they trade that out for a trip to Oregon. Well, it's the same thing. They're going to lose, just like they're going to lose at Penn State. But you look at that schedule and you tell me what you think. And I'll tell you here. Let me read it to you again. Oh, the Big Ten's getting so much tougher. Michigan State's going to be hard-pressed to go 500 going forward. Uh, Yeah, uh, about that. You sure about that? Are you absolutely sure about that? It's hard for me to feel that way. You sure about that? You sure about that? Florida Atlantic at Maryland, Louisiana at Boston College, Ohio State at, excuse me, at, at Oregon, bye week, home versus Iowa at Michigan, home versus Indiana, another bye week at Illinois, home versus Purdue, home versus Rutgers. Let me translate this for you. Jonathan Smith has to win at least seven games next year. At least. I don't care who he loses to the portal. I don't care what coaches don't follow him over here. That schedule is a baked-in seven wins because of this disaster almost tripped into six. There's no reason with an actual qualified Power 5 head coach taking over for this program not to win seven or eight games next year. That is the bare minimum expectation in year one. But Beanie, this guy took until year four until he had a winning record at Oregon State. Don't care. I don't care. This is an Oregon State. This is one of the top 20 resourced jobs in America. Well, Beanie, what does that matter? Look at the roster. Uh-huh. And you can rebuild rosters, maybe not entirely, and maybe not with complementary depth, but you can change the complexion of a team real quick 
in one offseason now. Oh, and by the way, even before you could do that, a head coaching change can make a big difference. I hear a lot of people saying they can't expect this guy to come in and do anything for a few years. Really? Because I seem to remember not that long ago, Michigan State going four and eight, their head coach getting fired when he said he didn't know if he'd lost the team or not. They go four and eight quarterback and, you know, one of the best players in program history that they had coming back. Well, that was all blown up with the quarterback's substance issue, all sorts of off the field issues that year. I'm talking about 2002. They go four and eight. They hire a guy, another Jonathan Smith. Hopefully the current Jonathan Smith is way better, and I suspect he will be. Not that that will be a a hard (laughs) bar to clear. But John L. Smith came in taking over a 4-8 and team, and in year one, he flipped it. They won eight games. They won eight games. And they went from losing to Michigan 49-3 to to a back-and-forth one-score loss. They went from four and eight to eight and four. At one point, late in the season, they were top ten. Translation: A coaching change can make a hell of a difference real fast. If Jonathan Smith, excuse me, if John L. Smith can take over a four and eight team and turn them into eight and four, Jonathan Smith can come in, take on over four and eight, and cleaning up the Mel, the Mel Tucker experiment disaster. And win seven games. Yeah, the Big Ten's real tough. The Big Ten's getting so much harder. They don't play anyone other than Oregon of the new Big Ten teams next year. It doesn't matter. Oh, and by the way, Oregon just replaces Penn State on the schedule. A game they were already going to lose. It's not a change. It doesn't matter. This schedule is soft as Wonder Bread. He better win seven games next year, right out of the chute. I ain't changing on that. I don't care who he loses in the portal. I don't care who does or doesn't follow him on his staff. Seven games. Got to win it right away. This is not Oregon State. You don't get four years to get to a winning record. Sorry. This big boy, this big boy football now, this is the premier conference in America. Big Ten's getting real tough, huh? Yeah, have you seen the Big Ten this year? Yeah, real tough. The Big Ten's so tough. You sure about that? You sure about that? Anyway, the question is, what are your expectations for Jonathan Smith at Michigan State? You can give me long term, but I'm also interested in seeing what you think they have to do in year one. You can also grade the higher studs and duds. And by the way, we're having a change to studs and duds, courtesy of the boss around these parts, Nathan Vandenberg. Instead of just the traditional $25 gift certificate to the Nuthouse on the line for today's studs and duds winner, the prize is instead a four-pack of tickets to see Michigan State basketball versus Georgia Southern tomorrow night at the Breslin Center. All right? That's on the line. Studs and duds. In case you're unfamiliar, I need you to nominate one good and one bad performance in the sports universe from the past holiday weekend, extended weekend. Just give me a little reason why. Everyone who does that is entered into a random drawing we conduct at the end of the show. One of you walks away with that four-pack of tickets to MSU versus Georgia Southern.
tomorrow night from the Breslin. Okay, here are all the ways to get in. 517-300-4263. Email the show beanie at wvfnam.com. You can use Facebook. Search Facebook for the game 730 a.m. And then send us a message or post a comment there. Or you can use the free game 730 a.m. app. Just click chat in the main menu. That sends over a free text to us. That'll get you in to the drawing, okay? All of that is there for you until we're off the air at 7 o'clock today. But at the end of today's show, we will pick someone who wins studs and duds and wins those four tickets to MSU versus Georgia Southern, a 6.30 p.m. tip tomorrow night from the Breslin Center. Speaking of MSU basketball, Tom Izzo spoke today for his you know, press availability ahead of the Georgia Southern game. He talked about Jonathan Smith because, of course, he was part of the search committee. Here's Tom Izzo giving his official blessing, the godfather, giving the blessing on Jonathan Smith. And Jonathan Smith, that was a, a decision Alan made that I think is going to be a very good decision. Um, I have been impressed. Did not know him that well. Talked to him one time. I have been impressed uh, and very impressed last night, getting the chance to sit down face-to-face for an hour and a half. Um, I just think he brings maybe who we are. You know, he's it's kind of a blue-collar attitude, too, and um, has developed players. And, uh, you know, has kind of been the, the program that nobody respected as much with Oregon right down the road and uh, figured out a way on how to handle that and deal with it. And so uh, his personality and everything um, is, uh, is great. I agree with that. The, the fit is there from the blue-collar ethos and also – I'm guessing part of what Alan Haller and everyone else at Michigan State really liked about Jonathan Smith, one thing at least, had to be the doing more with less because he had to do that at Oregon State. And, you know, it's a similar situation. Oregon State, not the preferred school or premier football program in its own state. It's definitely in the shadow of Oregon. Remind you of anybody? And he still found success. And actually... You know, he came in, he took over a, a program that had won two games and had gone 0-9 in Pac-12 play, two of the prior three seasons. And once he got that thing back to, you know, above the waterline, he beat Oregon half the time. I'm sure that was a big part of what appealed to Alan Haller and company about Jonathan Smith. Let me go, uh, let, me, let me catch up on some submissions here. So here we are. Let's go to the email. Beanie at WVFNAM.com. The listener formerly known as Daily Double, now known as Steve from email. He says, Beanie, I I agree with you on MSU's schedule next year. With that slate, the Spartans should be expected to win seven games. Please, please, if MSU wins eight, don't rewrite Jonathan Smith's contract. Let's call it the Tucker rule. No more raises after one good season. My duds are the teams that played well but got, go into a prevent defense. The name is fitting because it prevents the team in the lead from hanging on to win. Stud is you and the radio gang putting in time on the holiday for the live coverage of the higher on Saturday. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And you are in the drawing. I go now to the free game 7.30 a.m. app. Annie Morris in East Lansing says, Stud, 
state high school football finals for great games and effort. Dud the Pistons. All right. Well, you know what, Annie? The Pistons could make history tonight. In case you don't know, and most people don't, because who the hell cares about the Pistons anymore? Who really has for 20 years? But the Pistons, if they lose tonight, will match the franchise record for the most consecutive losses at 14. When we said the Pistons needed to get relevant, we didn't mean like that. But anyway, moving on. You're in the drawing, Annie. Appreciate it. Jeff in St. John says, at this point, I would be happy if MSU goes to a bowl next year and wins it. It would be a step in the right direction. Yeah, that would be seven wins, right? I would take that. Me too. Spartagator in Westphalia says, Beanie, chill out. I don't trust this Lions defense either, but if we don't spot the Packers two to three easy scores, turnovers, etc., in the first 10 minutes of that game, we're fine. They did absolutely nothing for the next three quarters. My official response. You sure about that? You sure about that? Yeah, the Packers did absolutely nothing except continue to control the game and keep their boot right on the Lions' throat. The final score winds up being 29-22 because the Packers let them just burn a ton of clock and score on that last meaningless drive in garbage time. And I know the final number shows up as... The Lions rushed for 140 yards. Do you realize 37 of them came on that final drive? This sorry-ass Packers defense, and make no mistake, it is god-awful. It is bad. And there's one reason why. How can you have nine first-round picks on a defense and be bad? Because the defensive coordinator is Joe Barry. You know, Rod Marinelli's son-in-law. The guy who was in charge of your guys' 0-16 defense. But anyway, that defense shut down the NFL's best run game. And more impressively, your offensive line, which had been an absolute wall, could not keep the pressure off Jared Goff. And you know what happens when he gets hit? He's the least athletic quarterback in the league, and he has the smallest hands of any starting quarterback. That's why he fumbled three times. Rashawn Gary worked Panay Sewell like a cheap prostitute. Just ole, man. Ole. That can't happen. That cannot happen. It'd be one thing if it were in a vacuum. Guys, they haven't looked good defensively since the Tampa game. That was more than a month ago now. And really, it's three consecutive awful defensive performances. Just awful. That's a problem. This is no longer a, well, let's tinker. We can figure something out. And once James Houston comes back, it'll all be better. Nope. Nope. Now it's the offense has to be basically perfect or else you're in serious danger of losing every game. Don't worry. They're still going to win. What, they have six games left? I bet they win at least four of them. You're still winning the division comfortably. As far as I'm concerned, it's already clinched. You're still going to host a playoff game. You're going to win the division and host a playoff game for the first time in 30 years. You have nothing to worry about there. But I would advise you, don't do anything beyond that. Don't plan for anything beyond that. What do you mean, Beanie? Well, if you're asking me, 
that if the people who have already bought tickets and made plans past the opening round of the playoffs will come to regret that decision economically, I would say yes. More Lions and NFL talk tomorrow, especially for the Michigan fans who said I was talking too much about Harbaugh and not enough about the Packers. Oh, don't worry. I got your coverage tomorrow. <laughs> so I, I, you know, I was at the game. Dr. J came with. She's not here today. But next time she's in, we'll, we'll talk to her. You can ask her. We, we're at the game. And I told her straight up, like, look, I don't relish rubbing this in on you guys. I don't. Because make no mistake about it, I know my team sucks ass. The Packers are awful. Awful. And on top of that, half the team was out. The Packers B squad was out there and beat your ass on both sides of the ball all damn game. They came out in the first play and threw a bomb, and that was it. Tone was set. That's a problem. That sorry-ass team, not even that sorry-ass team, that sorry-ass team's mass unit came in and dominated you on your Super Bowl. Where I'm from, that's called a bad omen. We'll talk more about it tomorrow. A couple more messages before I get out. Okay, Big Bob and DeWitt says, how do you like U of M now? Well, I certainly don't like them as much as you apparently like illiteracy. My God, I don't think I have ever seen more typos in a one, two, three, four, five, five word sentence. But hey, you know, attracts considering who we're talking about. Um, look, I've said all season, I picked Michigan to win the Big Ten again this year. I picked them to beat Ohio State and continue dominating them again this year. I saw nothing over the course of the entire 12-week regular season to change that. So I feel actually vindicated by the Michigan-Ohio State game outcome. That's kind of what I expected. And look, uh, congratulations. You, you own the Big Ten. You have for three years now. And you have thoroughly dominated Ohio State for three straight years. You might get their coach fired. That's one of the best things you can do in college football is just destroy a program. And you might have done that. Congratulations. I mean, you cheated to do it, but hey, who cares? I would just tell you, look, enjoy it. I would. Because I think once we get past January, you ain't going to like a lot about your program anymore. So enjoy it while it lasts. Get your licks in now, as Deion Sanders would say. By the way, what did we learn from the Michigan-Ohio State game? I want to talk more about that tomorrow, but I can just give you a little preview here. Here's what we learned. Basically, what I already thought all season. Ohio State got better defensively and is an absolute shell of itself offensively. And Michigan is not nearly what it was the last two years. Michigan is no longer special on the ground on offense, and their defense isn't special anymore either. They're still far and away the best and most complete and complementary team in the Big Ten. That, has, that hasn't changed in the slightest. But you're not nearly as good as you were the past two years. How much of that has to do with not knowing the other team's plays anymore? Well, I'm not sure you don't. Even though that guy got fired midseason, I mean, you still have all that data, right? So I, I don't know what that 
does or doesn't add up to here. I just tell you, I don't think Michigan's winning a playoff game this year. Now, maybe if, I don't know, some complete chaos happens and you draw someone who doesn't belong in there, okay, fine. But I don't see it happening, man. Uh, I just, look, we'll put it to you this way. You're going to go to the playoffs and play someone like Georgia or Oregon or even Texas, someone like that who have played legitimate competition all year. And Michigan's going to show up to the the playoff and they're going to go up. Like what if Michigan shows up to the playoff and has to play Oregon and Bo Nix or Washington and Michael Penix? And the best quarterback they played all year would be what? Who would have gotten them ready for that matchup? Michigan walks into a playoff showdown with everything on the line against Bo Nix, probably going to win the Heisman, or Michael Penix, probably going to be number two in the Heisman voting. And what's gotten them ready for that is playing Drew Aller and Kyle McCord. (laughs) Yeah, you ain't going anywhere. Sorry. Still own the Big Ten, though. But see, that was my point about Michigan State's schedule in 2024. The Big Ten's so tough now. The Big Ten's going to be even tougher once we add those four West Coast teams next year. You sure about that? You sure about that? How tough was the Big Ten this year? How tough was it? Yeah, I'm not so sure it's tough. Now, make no mistake, Oregon and Washington are legit. USC, 7-5. and five. UCLA, yikes. Yeah, uh, not exactly sure about how solid the Big Ten is. Put me down as a maybe. Defensive-minded, I'm Beanie. This is the game, 738. Get your Detroit Lions pregame fix all season with nachos and kneecaps. The Lansing area's very own local Detroit Lions tailgate show. Presented by Momentum Health Center in Mason. Join yours truly, Beanie, from Offensive-Minded on the game, 730 a.m. And Brock Palmbush every week, about two hours before kickoff. We cover all the Lions angles, player availability, matchups, outrageous Dan Campbell in-game decisions and audio, local ski mask sales, and everything else. Nachos and kneecaps, presented by Momentum Health Center in Mason, is also brought to you by Miller Lite. Classic Rock 94.9 MMQ and the game 730. Got a hot take? Boom! Hot take! Offensive-minded phone lines are open. 517-300-4263. All right, we're back. So... Before we go any further, you know, we did special live coverage on Saturday. We broke in to regularly scheduled uh, programming across the Lansing Sports Network here on the game, 730 a.m. and Classic Rock 94.9 MMQ. For coverage of Michigan State officially hiring Jonathan Smith out of Oregon State as the 26th head coach in Spartan football history. We talked to a lot of people, including Chris Solari, the MSU beat writer for the Detroit Free Press about it. I want to play that for you now give you some of his insights on the hire. Thank you to Chris Solari, the MSU beat writer for the Detroit Free Press, who joins us now by phone. You know, for the last week, we've heard that Jonathan Smith was the, you know, the, the front runner in this race. He really emerged over the last week. But I still do kind of feel like it's a surprising hire, given that Michigan State hasn't hired an offensive-minded coach since John L. Smith. And before that, you got to go back to Daryl Rogers in the 70s. And they haven't hired... And John L. Smith, I believe, was a defensive guy. 
Oh, was he? I mean, we, we talk about uh, Smith's, you know, offense yeah. being, you know, so prolific from his time, but he was a defensive coordinator coming up. Well, that explains a lot now so, I mean, in retrospect. Going all the way back to Daryl Rogers. I mean, I, although I don't necessarily know Muddy Waters' profile, but you'd get the idea. I mean, you know, that's – but you're right. I mean, and if ever there was a display um, of the need – for offensive upgrade um, in this era in particular um, where, you know, you, you come out of this season averaging 15.9 points, which is the worst since 1991. And y- even in 1991, that wasn't great. But when the offenses are in the, the high 20s on average around the country, it was time to make that move. And I think give Alan Haller credit for recognizing that particularly as a former defensive back. Um, you know, Michigan State's had a wealth of defensive coaches over the years. You know, George Perlis to Nick Saban. I, I, and I guess you could say Bobby Williams. I mean, Bobby Williams, I believe, was a receiver's coach. But, you know, I think people kind of forget that um, because it was kind of a forgettable time. Uh, but, you know, D'Antonio, and I mean, those are those, the, the, the tenants of the program were built on defense. And this place will always have that ethos. And I think Jonathan says brings that in a head coaching mindset, but he also is a quarterback ruler. And that's, that's been quite honestly, I think that's probably been over the course of the last 15 years, as good as Kirk cousins was as good as Connor cook was as, as decent as guys like Brian Lewerke and Peyton Thorne were in guiding some 10 win seasons. Um, they didn't really have the the same kind of, I guess, quarterback guru and offensive mind needed to, to generate things. And I think it's kind of a nice – I shouldn't say nice, but it, I think it's going to be a philosophical shift on that. And, and I think who he keeps uh, – because I, I do think he'll keep some coaches around. I think Harlan Barnett and Courtney Hawkins are the names that you kind of think about because they have ties to the program's past. But um, I, I do think that – that it's going to be interesting to see how good and and let's face it not only how good can Michigan State's offense become with Jonathan Smith you think about how this program has been with the ups and downs over the years on the offensive sides of the ball that people go back to the Dan Rochars and the Dave Warners and every and you know all the offensive coordinators, Jay Johnson, all the one, all offensive coordinators over the years that have given people frustration and fits, including some of the people on the defensive side of the ball at Michigan State. The one thing that Michigan State has never had a shortage of is offensive playmakers over those years, except for right now. I mean, you had NFL guys at mm-hmm. receiver at times. You had Le'Veon Bell's and the Jeremy Langford. You had weapons. Um, yeah. Now I think it would be interesting to see how this program takes that turn with an offensive-minded coach because there's enough offensive talent in the region, both in Michigan and Ohio and some of the surrounding states, to put together a, a, a good offensive team to complement what his, you know, whoever comes in to run the defense. Yeah, and you know I am surprised that they went away from the program DNA and went with an offensive-oriented coach. But uh, tell me what you think about this. I think it's just a sign of the times because college football or well, football everywhere is more offensively oriented than ever. But in college football specifically, I, 
I feel like, and you tell me if, if I'm onto something here, Chris, I feel like rebuilds are capable of being done more quickly by an offensive coach because it's an easier recruiting sell if you have a sexy offense than if you have a dominant defense, right? And that's, I wonder if that was part of the calculus by Alan Haller here. Possibly. I mean, I think there's probably some, something to be said about that. I mean, you know, you win with playmakers, right? I mean, and where, where are your playmakers that everybody always talks about? Well, they're the ones putting up the points. You know, I mean, as good as and as flashy as, as the, you know, hip-turning 4-2 cornerbacks can be, um, you know, how many times a game do they have balls thrown at them? Not as many as receivers do. You know, how many times the defensive tackles have to make tackles um, as opposed to the running back getting the carries or getting out in the flat and, and catching the ball with linebackers who can't tackle them and can't cover them. I mean, that's, you know, you're right. I mean, that's, it, it's kind of the wave. It, I don't want to say it's the wave of the future because it's always been that way. That's why often the quarterbacks have paid so much. That's why receivers have always been paid so much. Um, and, and I do think that, you know, Smith bringing that kind of philosophy. And, and I think also uh, as a former quarterback, having the mind of how to make the offense work um, from the top down is something that the program has lacked. For I mean, this goes back to Mark Antonio when in between offensive coordinators or with frustration said, I don't have a Rolodex of offensive guys. Well, Jonathan Smith should as a quarterback. You know, I mean, in that Rolodex, you know who's in that Rolodex? DJ Hushmanzada and Chad Ochocinco, mm-hmm. you know, his, his college receivers. He's played with dudes that are dudes. You know, that's why I think that, uh, you know, a guy like Courtney Hawkins, um, you know, who was a contemporary uh, of some of those guys, um, maybe a little bit longer in the tooth in his playing days than, than Ochocinco and, and, uh, and Hushamama, um, <laughs> That's my steel. That's the Steelers fan in me coming out. But um, I, I think that you know he's a guy that's going to have some connections, and you know that's a, it's going to be. They got to get the run game going. They got to get the offensive line going again because um, it was a boys against men game mm-hmm. on Friday. Um, I mean, it was. You know, I, I had a line in my story that I cut out because it kind of felt like piling on a little bit. But I mean, one of those teams on Friday night looked like they should have been playing on Thursday in the NFL game. And the other one looked like they should have been in bed getting rest for the, the division eight <laughs> state finals today. Yeah, no, that's, I think it's fair. Um, Chris, before we move on, I have a couple more things, but I wanted to hit the news on this first because your colleague Graham couch reported Harlan Barnett told him today that he's quote unquote, possibly staying on staff with Smith, but I mean, isn't that Jonathan Smith's decision? It is. It is. But, I mean, listen, this is this has been brewing and known inside the football building that it's happening since at least Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, this, this wasn't a secret by any means. And people knew it got out. But the contract wasn't finalized really until today um, or last night before the games. Um, I heard a rumor that, uh, Smith had told his players before they played that it was going to be his last game in Corvallis, well, okay. even though they played in Eugene. But um, I, I believe those conversations have already been had. It might have been Harlan initially speaking out of turn a little bit. Um, but I think it's important. It just uh, Graham pointed out, and we've talked about it, and it, it's something that I've pointed out 
a year or two ago, um, the lack of Ohio players in Michigan State's program since Mark D'Antonio left is alarming. Because and, and that ultimately, from a football standpoint, is Mel Tucker's undoing, which is stunning as a guy who grew up and played high school football in Cleveland. Um, I don't know if it, he went to Wisconsin. I don't know if he had an aversion to Ohio guys because of that. But that has been the cardinal staple of Michigan State teams for years. Getting the hungry Ohio guys, trying to pry a few of the top the top end guys away from Ohio State, Michigan sometimes from down there. Getting those second tier guys that become stars in the MAC, then move on to the NFL. Don't go to a MAC school in Ohio. Come up here and play against Ohio State and Michigan. Um, that was what Mark Antonio thrived on. Um, and, but Harlan Barnett is a guy who is from Cincinnati and has recruited Ohio his entire career. Those kind of connections. And I think that, you know, he came back uh, with Tucker in 2020. Those connections were important, but for some reason, the top of the food chain didn't chase those guys during Tucker's tenure. That's a philosophical change that needs to make. And I think for if Courtney Hawkins stays on staff, you're talking about a guy who has been a high school head coach and athletic director and knows everybody in the, in the high school realm and hallways in Michigan. So, and you got a, a coach that's never coached west of the Mississippi, or east of the Mississippi, mm-hmm. um, and, and Jonathan Smith. And I think good, solid head coaches understand and recognize what is our blueprint, what is our area. Uh, Harlan Barnett talked about that after the game last night, that you know, you got to have uh, – he, he went back to the D'Antonio Mines uh, set and, and in terms of the Tier 1. I mean, the tier one recruiting, Michigan, Ohio, Illinois, Indiana, and Pennsylvania, the the same philosophy that Tom Izzo built his program on. Um, There's talent in the region. Um, You have to sometimes fight and scratch and claw with Ohio State, Michigan, Notre Dame for them, and sometimes some of the other Big Ten schools. But if you identify it, as D'Antonio has shown, you can create Michigan State into a winning top-tier Big Ten programs. There's only one station in Lansing that you've depended on for sports for over 30 years. Some call us by our government-given name of WVFN East Lansing. You can call us by the name the people of Lansing know us by, and that name is The Game. 7.30 a.m. Start your weekday morning with the Dean of Sports, Tim Stout. Middays with Mike Greenberg. Offensive-minded with Beanie Howell. And The Huge Show with Bill Simonson. We're a force to be Reckoned with. We're Lansing's only sports station. The game, 7.30 a.m. Back to the best in sports talk now. We're Lansing's number one source for sports talk. The game, 7.30 a.m. All right, believe it or not, almost out of time, man. Today flew by. So much to go over. We didn't even crack the surface. I mean, a lot on Jonathan Smith. There will be more on the Jonathan Smith hire tomorrow because Michigan State is doing the formal introductory press conference for Jonathan Smith tomorrow at noon. And you can hear that live. We'll carry that live here on the game, 7.30 a.m. Stay tuned for that. Uh, Tim's show will bump out in time for that, and that will probably take up the rest of Tim's air shift, I, I suppose, maybe or maybe not. If not, Tim will come back on air till 1. 
And then tomorrow, we'll, you know, we'll have clips of that. We're not going to play the whole thing, obviously, but I'll have the salient parts for you. I'll play that for you tomorrow. And I also want to get into, again, Lions tomorrow. Postmortem on just a, a really, really bad loss with some really, really bad signs. But also looking forward because, listen, as bad as it feels and as bad as defense is, you're still going to win four of your last six games probably, and you're still going to win the division comfortably and host a playoff game. What can you do to fix that defense as close to to get as much as possible out of it going forward? We'll talk about all that. I want to get into Michigan and Ohio State and specifically Michigan going forward. We'll, we'll do that tomorrow too. Uh, and there's even more. We haven't begun to sc- scratch the surface. But uh, before I get out today, I do have to do the drawing, and there was one more submission before we do it, and it's our buddy Aaron in Eaton Rapids. Excuse me, Aaron at Olivet University, who messages in, my stud is Marshall Meter, another fellow Eaton Rapids guy for hitting a 38-yard field goal for Iowa to beat Nebraska. And my dud is the Bills for blowing the game against the Eagles yesterday. Yeah, and that hurt the Lions, right? Like the loss to the Packers, as bad as it was, a little more palatable if the Eagles lose that game yesterday to the Bills, but alas... Eagles are 10 and 1 now. Yikes. Anyway, okay, drawing. Who wins the studs and duds today? And as a result, wins a uh, four pack of tickets to tomorrow's Michigan State versus Georgia Southern game, 6 30 tip at the Breslin Center. Let's find out now. Nope, oh, sorry, of course, my computer is. Not cooperating at the worst possible moment. Okay, we'll try this one more time. <laughs> Our studs and duds winner today. It's Steve from email. Congrats to the horse handicapper, formerly known as Daily Double, Steve from email. Win studs and duds today, and as such, that gets him four tickets to tomorrow's MSU Georgia Southern game at 6.30. We'll contact you, Steve, about how to come get them. All right, thanks for being here, everybody. Until tomorrow, 4 to 6. I'm so glad you could be here for this big show with so much to go over post-Thanksgiving. More coming your way tomorrow. I hope you'll be here for it. So until then, be safe and be good. Hooray!